0: Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Anyone who surfs
1: knows that it's not as easy as just paddling out, standing up, and riding a wave as if you've been doing it your whole life. It involves balance, technique, and a certain athleticism. To do it safely and well requires certain precautions and preparations and there are various injury risks. Physical therapist Mark Kazuki has a keen perspective on all this as an avid surfer himself and as owner of Elite Performance Physical Therapy in Costa Mesa, California. His clients include some of the world's top surfers, and he travels with the World Surf League, the governing body of professional surfing, providing treatment at competitions. We asked him about the physical demands and challenges of surfing, how it's different for recreational versus professional surfers, and what things surfers of any ability level should keep in mind in order to minimize injury risk and maximize performance. Here's our conversation with Mark. Surfing is a sport that's done throughout the world. It's enjoyed by people of all ages and uh, across a spectrum of skill levels, from recreational surfers to professional surfers. From dry land, you see somebody riding a wave, and it looks kind of seamless and easy, but uh, obviously it's really not. So, Mark, can you start off by telling listeners something about the skills and physical demands that are involved in surfing?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it can seem seamless. It's actually one of the hardest things I've ever done, and it, they make it look incredibly easy, but it's actually incredibly difficult, or it can be. There's a lot of variables that happen with surfing that um, don't really occur in a lot of other sports where you're interacting with nature and the ocean, and there's a lot of different variables of wind that can affect things, as well as the medium that you're in is, is di- very dynamic. You know, there's a lot that can go into it, but it's, it's actually once you start to surf, and you surf a wave, it's one of the most incredible feelings in the world. And, you know, from a physical demand perspective, it can be really physically demanding depending on the wave conditions. So if the waves are large and unruly, it can be very demanding. You know, there's a lot of physical demand for, like, getting out into waves and getting under waves and uh, catching waves. But if it's small and fairly manageable, it can be fairly easy.
1: So, Mark, you've worked with some of the, the biggest names in in the sport out there, um, uh, names that most people might not be familiar with but are, are huge within uh, surfing circles. Uh, John John Florence, Jordy Smith, uh, Tyler Wright, uh, Courtney uh, uh, Conlog. Um, and you've been featured in the Wall Street Journal and, and World Surf League and other publications for your work with these surfers. Uh, can you start off by talking about how that work um, began? Uh, was, was it intentional? Was it something you sought out, or did they approach
2: you, or, or sort of how did that work? It was a slow progression. I was definitely uh, very interested in surfing, and in the beginning of my career, I was working very closely with uh, Dr. Ben Rubin, who is a orthopedic surgeon who's based here in Orange County, who was very interested in learning the functional approach rehabilitation and he had a really good friend that he put me in touch with which was dr tim brown who is a sports chiropractor who had been working on the surf tour and the avp volleyball tour since the very beginning he had been on the beach doing sports medicine for 30 years and he kind of a i think really revolutionary in that he was very open-minded and you know he didn't he didn't really he doesn't really um discriminate against you know whether you're a chiro or a physical therapist or athletic trainer or acupuncturist he was very open-minded and and um, his whole thing is to bring a a big team around an athlete you know in whatever situation so that it it can get taken care of and so uh, Ben put me in touch with with Tim and then it was just a you know an instant connection and I was really surprised because my perception of chiropractors at that time was that they just adjusted and they didn't do much else. But, but Tim was very different and very eclectic in his approach. He was almost more to me like a physical therapist that did adjustments here and there. So he did a lot of soft tissue work. He thought about nerve issues. It was, it was really interesting. And so I just kind of started working under him at some of the surf contests and It just slowly grew from there. Like, I, you know, initially, you know, I didn't do much. It was more observing and slowly did more over time and more and more. Um, It just kind of grew from there. Do you surf as well, and were you
1: able to bring those experiences into into, uh, what you did with uh, surfers?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I surf as well. I actually grew up playing ice hockey. I grew up in California playing ice hockey and went to college to play ice hockey, but came back and I had a new appreciation for the beach and was just – Super. I got super into surfing. I did it a little bit before, but um, definitely I got super interested in when I got back from college. But I really feel that uh, any treating therapist, if they understand the sport, they definitely can treat those athletes better, you know. And it it, regardless because I've had wipeouts and injuries and can kind of somewhat understand what they're going through. Um, So I think that perspective. Uh, helps the therapist, but I think it also helps the connection between the athlete and the therapist.
0: A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain, and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging health care providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choosept. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. Can you
1: talk somewhat about the uh, the types of injuries that you might see in surfers and whether those injuries differ depending on whether someone's a professional or whether someone's just kind of a recreational surfer?
2: Interestingly enough, I'd say that the the most common injury in surfing has to do with uh, the spine, and this is due to the positioning of Lane on the board. And what happens is is they – to, you have to lay on your board and you tend to kind of lay on the lower rib cage which in your back is in an arch position and so being in that position for prolonged periods and essentially uncenters your spine and then for the professional athletes what's really hard is that they do that a lot and then they they're essentially rotational athletes so they're always rotating to one direction. So if you're a regular foot surfer, your your tendency is to twist to the left, um, and if you're a goofy foot surfer, your tendency is to twist to the right. So you have repetitive motion to one direction, and you have this uh, unusual resting position of your body on the board. For the professional surfer, that combined with really long travel but the travel is what will, you know, something that maybe wouldn't have been an injury becomes an injury because of all the travel and the stiffness that occurs due to that. That's not as much of an issue for the recreational surfer, but definitely the repetitive movement patterns of the laying on the board and the rotating in one direction are the, the most common issues that I see, you know, for the surfer in general.
1: That, that's interesting because you, you think of surfers and you think of them in the upright position. You don't think so much of what's happening while while they're on the board what kinds of injuries might might you see in terms of uh you know if a surfer is uh, is is down
2: by a wave or or what have you well it can really vary you know but i would say that when you have an injury due to like some type of wipeout or or mishap it it tends to be uh the mcl the medial ligament of the knee and that's either due to them getting compressed to their board and stretching the inside of their knee or what's happening, what I've seen a lot within just the last year, is it has to do with, like, one foot slipping off the board and one foot staying on the board. And you either get groin, hamstring, or a medial knee injury. Also now with uh, surfing, a lot more athletes are doing aerial maneuvers where they're going into the air while they're riding the wave and coming back down. So they're getting a lot of compression-type injuries where they're getting high ankle sprains you'd think that shoulder injuries are more common but they're actually not as common like you might get an occasional dislocation here or there but generally it's actually i feel like the position of laying on the board puts more pressure on the spine than actually the shoulder
1: now in many sports today we hear that athletes are, are upping their game by uh by training harder and, and trying to train smarter is, is that something that's true of surfers as well and, and if so what are they incorporating into their training that's not specifically surfing-related, uh, uh, and, and which elements do you think are the most important to training?
2: Well, I, I feel that a lot of the surfers are trained much smarter. A lot of them, they're working on mobility, using foam rolls and balls and doing self-myofascial release. Uh, from a training perspective for fitness, one of the most the best systems that I've seen out there that, that uh, a lot of the athletes that I work with that are doing, um, they're doing Gymnastica Natural, which is a uh, – A system from Brazil um, that's a combination of yoga, breath, jiu-jitsu-type movements, animal movements, and it's it's all functional. It feels great, and there's no resistance involved typically, but it's just body movements, just a variety of different movements, which I think is great for the body. And, again, it works a lot on breath, which I think is a big component.
1: Are those types of things things that could help a a recreational surfer uh, as well?
2: Oh, most definitely. I think it could help anyone. What's really unique about it, too, is I feel like the the rolling that's involved really helps uh, activate a lot of and open up your body, Um, but it's a really great system. Um, It's very, very dynamic. It helps warm up the body. I love it. It's the most uh, beneficial system that I've seen out there. Some of the surfers also incorporate a uh, system called foundation training, which helps focus on the posterior chain, and in terms of movement prep, some... We get some athletes using a system called DNS, which is Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization. But any combination or any of those tools would help pretty much anyone. Mark, what does your day look like
1: when, when you're working at an event or, or traveling with the World Surf League? I mean, are are you providing treatment before uh, surfers go into the water? Are you mostly responding to injuries? Uh, talk about what your typical day might look like, if, if there is such thing as a typical day.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a, I think surfing is really unique in that they have like a 11 day waiting period for an event at the top level. And so what they do, they, they need about four or five days, I believe, to run the entire contest. And so what they're doing is they're actually timing the best waves. So in a window, they might run two days and then be off for five days and then run another two days. So in that way, it's, it's actually fairly challenging because you don't know what what's going to happen until actually it's there. Even when they do anticipate waves, so they might say, "Okay, we, we're, we're looking to anticipate eight o'clock start tomorrow," and then you just go on hold for four hours. You know, so it's very unpredictable. When I go to an event where it typically works, is the most important time for me to get there, or for me to do my work is before the event even starts to get everyone ready if they have any new injuries or anything, we're getting those addressed, and we're kind of getting everything ready. Um, That's usually the most important time. Uh, I do do some work with athletes before heats, but um, it's kind of slowly transitioned towards doing the work the evening before, and then they're just kind of ready the next day. If the event is off for the day, I usually, I (laughs) I try to do some surfing myself in the morning, and then I, I treat the athletes in the afternoon. So if it's a contest day and I'm off, I'm trying to do my own thing and have a little fun in the morning, and then working through the afternoon and part of the evening with the athletes.
1: You, you mentioned there are times in which things might be uh, put on hold, and it might happen just 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 kind of quickly. Are, are there are there injury concerns or, or other concerns involved with those sudden stoppages, and, and making sure that the surfers are are, are ready?
2: No, not really. Like if there's anything that's an issue, we're usually trying to address it the night before in that type of situation, or we're meeting early in the morning. So no matter what, they're going to be ready for no matter what time they start. So if if they have an eight o'clock start, we're just anticipating they're going to be. We're going to do what we can to have them ready at that time. And then if it goes on hold, then they're still as ready as they could be.
0: A quick break to tell you about Find a PT the American Physical Therapy Association's national database of physical therapists. PTs are movement experts who treat people of all ages and abilities, helping them to improve and maintain function and quality of life. Don't wait until you have an injury to see a PT. Contact one today and learn how you can improve your fitness and prevent health problems before they start. You can contact a physical therapist near you, no physician referral required, by going to moveforwardpt.com. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio.
1: Are there some uh, items of basic advice that you would give to to any, even recreational surfer, to to keep his or her body in in surf shape and and the types of things that
2: they might try to focus upon? I would say to, I mean, in general, a lot of times the hip, we, we do do a ton of work on our athletes' hips just to keep them moving and, you know, uh, most people sit in chairs too much and so forth. So I feel like uh, working on hip mobility, doing foam rolling, doing siphonal fascial release, dynamic stretching and movement, focusing on hip mobility. Exercises that focus on thoracic mobility, the rib cage mobility, are also really important. And core exercises are, are, are really important as well. But the prescription of that can be. It needs to be fairly specific because, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, the rotation to one direction really affects the muscle balance within the body. So I really try to target the muscles that aren't working as much. So, so core exercises in general are, are very good. Also, balancing exercise because it's such a huge component of staying on the board and so forth.
1: What types of balancing exercises? Can you give an example?
2: Yeah, I mean, like a lot of times I put the athletes on dynamic surfaces. That's just like little discs, you know, um, or Bosu balls. Different dynamic surfaces to really work on activating the whole entire chain. But I would say just dynamic balance exercises in general. I feel are very beneficial. And what are some of the some of the trends that have kind of come to the forefront in recent years? The degree of difficulty of the maneuvers that surfers are doing now on Waze. Is really um, getting harder and harder. What they're doing is is even more exceptional, more exciting to watch. Like you know, Felipe Toledo this year in J Bay, which is in South Africa, was surfing and he was getting ten point rides, doing multiple aerial maneuvers on a wave that was never really thought to be a an aerial wave that you could even do it. So. Um, these surfers are figuring out ways, and they're getting to different parts of the waves, and more critical maneuvers are getting upside down almost um, as the the waves are crashing so that's that's what I'm kind of saying by progressive they're They're just starting to do things and they're they're doing things in ways that are more and more challenging that weren't really thought possible before.
1: That's, is that because the surfers are in better
2: shape these days? Is it
1: because the more is known about the science or, or what what plays into that?
2: I feel that it's uh a a big part of it, it has to do with fitness. Definitely more of them are fit. Um, but I feel it's, you know, just the surfers pushing each other, you know? And so if one surfer does that, then it just kinda raises the bar and everyone starts to raise the bar to that. And so it's really interesting too, like even at the amateur level, what you see like young kids doing now is pretty incredible because they're they're emulating what they're the guys are doing at the top. Everyone is I think pushing everyone. You're just continuing to see more and more explosive and dynamic surfing. But I do feel that a part a part of it is that like all these athletes are more fit than they used to be for sure.
1: It seems like a difference between it uh, maybe previously being a sport and now being almost more of a more of an extreme sport.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's always kind of been considered a little bit of extreme sport, but it's I think too what's different about surfing is that um, a lot of these guys look like will put out video parts and it's and then it's like one guy puts out a video part that's really crazy and gnarly and then then that becomes the new bar, and everyone's trying to beat that.
1: What do you mean by a video parse?
2: What a lot of the surfers do now is they'll, they'll, they have their own filmers, and, you know, they'll do little edits now. They'll put it out on the internet. It's not super long, typically. It's not like a movie anymore. It's more like eight to ten minutes, and it's just, they're surfing, and this is, hey, this is what I'm doing now, and I think it just brings awareness and attention to what they're doing, and then, you know, I think some of the other people see that, and then, they want to try to do that or better or something different and i think that's what helps helps it to progress
1: mark kuzuki uh, thank you for sharing your insights with move forward radio
0: you've been listening to move forward radio insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at MoveForwardPT.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com.